Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford, the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, and I am very, very happy to be able to spend these fleeting minutes with my congregation and with all of our Saints Network family. It really is an honor to be able to serve the Lord together with you. We've been given such a great responsibility um, from the Father to serve, and it's an honor, but it is a responsibility. And um, I, I just um, very much looking forward to what the rest of this year entails. I, I'm spending significant portions of each day uh, trying to hear from the Lord about our, our upcoming seminar in a couple of weeks titled His Rest. And we do remind you that we would really encourage you to register for this online on the website. But we also then have a France gathering that is going to be in uh, early to mid-May. And then the big gathering in June in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, these are things that are that each have their own idiosyncrasies, <laughs> various points of challenge, various points of objective. And you just really want to hear clearly. And um, but my point is that we have we have a harvest field in front of us, and I'm really really thankful that God has gathered this remnant of saints together to serve Him and His agenda. I, I wanted to give you a testimony before we share together today about the kingdom of heaven. As many of you know, uh, we initiated a, a prayer agenda for individual churches in Brazil that are really partnering with us in, in our agenda for the kingdom as saints. And that involves a number of you. If you're not involved, it's not because we don't love you or we don't think you're as good as anybody else. I have nothing to do with the formulation of these eight teams, seven or eight, um, and they are going to be rotating. They'll rotate out again after a seminar, and if you just are bound and determined to want to be a part of one of these and you're not at this time, let Katie and Zach know, and uh, we'll see what we can do about that. But the point is, uh, we have uh, we have these uh, dedicated groups that are praying for individual churches. They have assignments, and one of, one of the testimonies that was forwarded to me, one of the groups prayed for one of the churches this past Sunday. It would be during the time of the evening service down there in Brazil, and this word came back from that church. And um, it said that during the end of their worship time, the presence of the Lord was so strong that the young man, the pastor's son who was leading worship, he couldn't sing anymore. He just began to weep. It became so overwhelming that he had to 
felt like he needed to go to an adjoining room to lay on his face and call out to the Lord in proscuneo. During this time, his sister began to sing a new prophetic song. And after the worship concluded, she went to find her brother and found him on his face, weeping and praying in diversities of tongues. So she joined him. After the service, the pastor and his wife went in there, and they all proscuneoed together for over an hour. And um, it's, this is not a competition as to which group is praying hardest or getting the most results. Every, every group is praying in, in the Spirit. And they, uh, they're praying exactly in the Spirit what God needs for those churches. And um, this is just one testimony. We don't ask these churches to send testimonies. I'm in contact with many of them. I mean, there are, there are outreaches. We're working together with them. But we're not trumpeting anything because this could easily become a competition. The enemy wants there to be jealousies and and measures of comparing one another. So we're not encouraging that. And I know some of you need to hear testimony. You need to hear, you need to hear some sterling result of prayer. And hopefully by now you'd realize that the only result in prayer that you really need to have is that you hearken to the voice of the Spirit and prayed. Because you're doing it for the Father. You cannot judge what's really going on, even on the basis of um, testimony of something that happened or something that didn't happen. You know, this is not a, a linear assessment where we say, okay, we've got this now, then we've got this now, let's project our five-year standard, and we're going to see this, we're going to see this. The Spirit of the Lord does not move that way. God's ways are not man's ways. So I just want to affirm the fact that your prayers, whether you're part of these teams or just observers on them right now, your prayers, you don't have to be a member of a team to pray. I'm not on one of these teams. And I pray every day as the Spirit guides me for these individual places. In fact, when this broadcast is over, I have a Zoom meeting with a pastor and his interpreter and we're going to be laying groundwork for a lot of things. And I'm, through the leading of the Lord, providing counsel and direction. And then after that, I have a, a message of the week for Brazil that uh, another one of our pastors, Pastor Anna, is my translator. And she does, she's growing, doing a wonderful job. So we're, we're in active communication with these places. But the point is, is that whether you are kept up to date or not, to keep you pacing, is not important. You know there's the harvest field. You pray in the Spirit. It's be sensitive to what his voice would say. And this is having an effect. Now, we also pray for other countries, too. I, I We had a, a meeting last Saturday with our... Uh, Saints Network, basically the leaders from Western Europe. And then on Monday, we did a message of the week, and we talked about a number of things. We're preparing for a big gathering there. Why don't we showcase this as much? Because we've been laboring in France and in Western Europe for over two decades now. These people are stalwart 
com, uh, ministers in the saints' calling. And um, we, it's kind of like in your family. You know, I've got three grandkids. Two of them I love very much. They're twins. They're, they're getting older. They're still young, but they're older. And then there's this little boy that runs all over the house that's two years old. Who gets the most attention? See, this is where a lot of families get screwed up. Because the older ones think, mommy doesn't love me anymore. And they just have these crazy viewpoints. Maybe I'm skewed because I was the baby of the family. But the point is that at some point, as you get older, you need to display some maturity. And it's not all about you. In fact, very little is about you. It's about service. So let's continue to pray. But that testimony is a very moving testimony. We know that church. We know that family. We love them. We value them. And to hear the way the Spirit of the Lord is moving, think of it. Through them trying to offer prophetic worship and them pouring themselves out with weeping on their face before God. (gasps) Has that gotten old to you? Has that become commonplace? It shouldn't. No, the, the factor of development is that once the, the initiation of obedience and God guiding you into that place in him, once that exuberance of the newness wears off, then you have to recognize what is this. It's still agape before God. It's still all the things we've studied about proskuneo and diversities of tongues and, dare I say, weeping. But, you know, the point is, at some point, you offer that as a co-laborer with Christ and not necessarily a baby that needs attention. I'm really hitting that hard today. It's not my message for the day. But, um, Just know that God is moving and your labors are being being, uh, filled with effectiveness and fruitfulness. And we need to keep on doing what we do for him. One other thing. uh, We continue with our point of obedience to what I believe was a prophetic directive accompanied by signs uh, for all of us to commit ourselves to the Lord each night, to Jesus each night, and in conjunction with Revelation 3, specifically stating that we open the door and welcome him in, that he would be able to do in us and in our spirit what, um, what he knows we need for this next season. And it might be good... If you, um, if you take tomorrow, which is Leap Day, the 29th of February, and you make that something special before the Lord, thank Him for the evangelistic impulse that is driving us forward and really give Him thanks and praise forward into what this next month, with all that it entails, the month of the pastor, the ingathering of the saints here to Dallas, 
what what God has there. And um, and I do remind you that this coming Saturday is First Saturday. That directive should be going out very very soon. But you should know the directive by now if you've been paying attention at all over the years. Let's see what would we pray on the first Saturday of March. Hmm. Give me a moment. Let me think. What what perhaps is coming up that's significant in the divine calendar for the saints in March? Oh, we have a gathering of saints from around the world for our spring seminar. Maybe that might be part of it. But that directive written out for you should be coming very soon. Okay, last week we talked about being converted so that we could enter into the kingdom. And um, I pray that that is an ongoing work in you. But I felt that we needed to do something a bit different today. And we're going to study the word together today. We're going to talk about what is the kingdom of heaven. If we're, if we're entering into, we're being converted and becoming as a child to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What, what does that really mean? Now, I thought about grouping topically a bunch of verses and put it on a piece of paper for you. You would have it online. You can look at it. And you can then, um, uh, or if you print it out, fold it up, stuff it in your Bible with the other hundred pages you've got in there. But our objective largely on this Wednesday Night Live is to study and to encourage the saints to study for themselves. You have the tools, and I just think that it would be a good thing for us to study together rather than me just tell you things. Last week we had a bit of an outline because that was a new understanding for us. Today we're going to be studying together. So if you have your Bible program, I hope you do, um, why don't you just type in Kingdom of Heaven And we'll just go through this and see what primarily Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. I mean, if we're entering into it, let's see what he says it is. You might also want to have, not like I'm old school, a piece of paper beside you. And you can um, maybe... List categories. Um, You know, as I've looked through this, I've seen lots of obvious categories with the kingdom of heaven. It begins with repent. You can figure these out for yourself. You don't have to jot them down, but this is just what I'm saying. Teaching. Conversion. uh, Attaining. What you have to do to gain it. How it can... It, it aligns with the will of the Father, and that's a necessity. Um, where is the kingdom of heaven? What is its characteristics? How, how is warfare involved, spiritual warfare? 
how do you expand into various cities and states and nations? And then, you know, if you have these categories, you can just group them yourself as we look. You can jot down your own categories. And I want to tell you something. This is just a very elemental way of studying. You don't have to be a Greek or Hebrew scholar to be able to study this way. And the Spirit will speak to you. So, just have that ready. See, I've got paper right here. I'm going to be jotting along right here with you. So, if you pulled up Kingdom of Heaven, you'll find that uh, the first reference is in um, Matthew chapter 3. And one of the things you're going to notice as you study is that Matthew says all but one of the references to the kingdom of heaven in the New Testament. And really, the only other one is in Revelation 12.10, and it really doesn't say uh, kingdom of heaven. It speaks about heaven, and it speaks about the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ. There's another reference when we look also at the kingdom of God, where it says it's the kingdom of Christ and of God, of God and of Christ. But Matthew is the main one that spoke about the kingdom of heaven. But, are you listening to me still? The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. Many of the references in the other Gospels to the kingdom of God is uh, are located in parallel passages describing parables. So, one parable that Matthew hears, and he calls it the kingdom of heaven, John may hear, and he, or, or uh, Mark may hear, and he calls it the kingdom of God, but it's the same parable. So why would Matthew speak of the kingdom of heaven? And then we're going to get into these scriptures. Matthew served the Roman Empire. It was a lucrative thing. He represented his nation in taxation but he really served the Roman Empire. So for him, he wasn't interested in insurrection. He wasn't interested in basically giving Rome the, the jackboot of uh, ejection from the kingdom, from, from Israel. I'm not saying he wouldn't have preferred that, but that wasn't his main goal. He, he knew that that was troubling talk. So if you talk about the kingdom of heaven, which is really what it is, you're speaking something that is spiritual, very obviously spiritual. And um, so for Matthew, it was an accurate term, but it was also a term that really indicated more of what, um, of what Christ was trying to do there. He was not there to evict Rome. He was there to welcome heaven to earth. Now, kingdom of God means the same thing, but it just sounds a bit different. Because if you're talking about a kingdom of heaven, that's an ethereal kind of a spiritual thing. So often the kingdom of God meant in those societies a tangible government because a lot of these people who were rulers, said they were gods. 
And so you're really talking about some ruler coming into power that's going to evict Rome and be the voice of God on earth. I know that's not what's meant in the Gospels, but for Matthew, his preference was to speak about the kingdom of heaven. So, let's just look at it. You've got it pulled up. And, and as you read these, we may talk about uh, these individual verses. We've taught about all these things. We have. Very, in very detailed fashion. But perhaps we need to group them categorically to understand in total what the kingdom of heaven really is if we're to become as a child, become converted, and enter into it. And if that kingdom of heaven is within you, which Jesus said, it might be good for us to recognize what it means. The kingdom of heaven is not just an atmosphere. The kingdom of heaven is not goosebumps. The kingdom of heaven, although it may produce them, the kingdom of heaven is not having a good meeting. The kingdom of heaven is not a revival meeting. Kingdom of heaven is a very personal thing. So, Matthew 3, 2, first issuance. John says, repent, do the 180 from where you've been, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17, it's right there in your progression, you can see it. Uh, Jesus then began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then... He goes through the B attitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's that poorness in spirit of all things. You have to become bare before God, recognizing that nothing that you have is really important in the natural. The most important thing is to want what the spirit within in conjunction with the spirit of, of God in heaven and on earth wants to have done. Kind of reminds of another passage we'll see about it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the, the essence of it is that in order for a camel to really get through such a, a place, you know, one of the gospel writers speaks about it as a sewing needle. Uh, the other gospel writer speaks about it as a, um, as a, as a needle that does uh, surgical things. And... Um, but the point is, is that I. Now, there, there was some discussion uh, in, in uh, the Middle Ages that there was actually a gate that was kind of like a nighttime gate in Jerusalem, and it was very narrow for security purposes, and that was called the Eye of the Needle. I looked at this. I read two articles. Imagine somebody writing an article about this. And there's no, this was something that concocted like 1100 uh, A.D., that this, this magical small gate. 
and there's really no archaeological evidence that such a thing actually existed. But the point is, is that the camel would have to be stripped down of all of its, um, of all of its burden, <coughs> and and probably get down on its knees to make it through. But even then, even in your own attempts, then you you couldn't enter the kingdom. So you really have to become as nothing, to be as a child, to be converted, to be able to enter. Matthew, you can look at it. What's next? 5.10. It's the end of the Beatitudes where it says that, um, you know, blessed are you um, who are persecuted for righteous vision's sake. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. So right off the bat, you've got to be poor in spirit and you've got to be willing because of that righteous vision of the kingdom, you've got to be willing to endure opposition. And then the, the reviling and the persecution, we've studied this. Jump up, spin around, a guy, they, oh, we've studied that. But th that's a pretty big thing to begin. Um, then there's a warning six verses later, or, or nine verses later, uh, about... What you better be careful what you're teaching, um, and and you got to be careful that if you're teaching these things, you don't break them. Um, and then the next verse, it speaks about your righteous vision needs to exceed the rigidity of the Pharisees and the scribes, because if if it doesn't, you won't enter in the kingdom. And what does that mean? You need to be, continue to be growing into the new things that God's Word would reveal. And if you're just stuck in the mud of old-timey doctrine, I'm not discarding foundational doctrine, but traditions. And if you're saying that nothing new can come, you've got it all already, you're not entering the kingdom. You're just not. Just stick with me now. We're just studying. I don't know where you're putting these in categories. If, if it were me, I would I would link the, the Beatitude things into what it means to actually function in the kingdom, and I would have a category for teaching because here you've got scribes and Pharisees and people that don't do what they're teaching. So, But that's your list. You make your list. It'll have more meaning to you. Um... No, look at this one, Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Ah, there's a category for you. The Father. If you aren't functioning with a, with a direct communication with the Father, I don't know how many more ways we need to clarify to you scripturally that that is a necessity. And who's saying this? Well, it's written in red, so it's the blessed Jesus. He that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven, is going to enter into the kingdom. There's a category for you. You'll, you'll see it in other places. The Father. 
Jesus um, talked then in Matthew 8:11 that um, there are going to be many that come from the east and the west in the kingdom of heaven. They'll sit down with the, the patriarchs of the Old Testament. But it's, it's got to be those that are willing to abandon uh, the past and rigid, uh, un, 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 uh, what's a good word? Unwavering, no, that's not a good word because we shouldn't waver on the doctrinal foundations. If they're not willing to abandon the safety of last century's revelation and move forward to the new, they're not going to sit at this table. You read it again. You tell me what it's saying. He sent the disciples out in chapter 10, verse 7, saying, you go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, what he's declaring about this kingdom of heaven is a new thing, and it's right with them. Um, 11.11 I say to you, among those born among women, there is not risen a greater <coughs> than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom is greater than John. That's mikros, to be as small as need be. It's not necessarily uh, I must decrease, but this is a, a description of what you have to become. Uh, and then, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the violent take it by force. We've taught about this, and really the essence of it is that it's taking ground and holding it. I've equated it to that old game, King of the Hill, that we used to play when we were kids probably not very healthy but we did we didn't have tv or anything at that point well we did but even many of the churches were hiding those tvs in closets so um so we just had to play outside but if you take a position in the kingdom in your Perettes, you better stand there for and that's the violence um the enemy will come against the histeme and the stemme the bible says and you've got to stand so that's a kingdom reality. You, you, you don't just stand until you get bored with it. You don't just stand until you hear the next ministry down the, that's very loud down the block and you want to have that. You stand in where God's planted you. That's what you have to give accountability for. Okay, let's go back to our study. Okay, where are we? Um, how about 1311? Ooh, here's a new category. Well, what about that standing business? Well, that should be kind of in a warfare category, shouldn't it? Um, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not given. Oh, mysteries. Wow. Do you mean to tell me, Pastor Ron, that there are mysteries in the kingdom? Things that we may be praying in diversities of tongues before the Father and in the Spirit, we speak mysteries? Oh, that's just a bunch of gibberish here, as the old assembly spy said. You're chanting. No, it's not. It's scriptural. And we, 
if, if we have to know these mysteries, musterion, in the kingdom. That's a big one. Matthew just, boy, he's silly with these kingdom of heaven things, isn't he? And who's saying it? It's Jesus, the one that's meeting with us each night, our elder brother. Matthew thirteen twenty four. Another parable, parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto man which sowed good seed in the field. While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Now you know that one. I think there's a lot of tares being sown right now. And we, we can't, we've got to focus, we've got to focus on the kingdom. We've got to focus on our assignment. Yes, it can be irritating to see the enemy planting progressive false wokeism doctrines. Yes, it is, it's, it's increasingly a challenge when once something good starts happening, then you got a lot of bandwagon people that will come and try to join and insert their own doctrines or their own idiosyncratic ministries into it. And you focus on the good. So you just, just got to keep your cool if you see those kinds of things happening. Um, if, if it's during the day, you can speak against it. But this says the enemy comes and sows when nobody's looking. 1331, man, Jesus is really intent on this kingdom of heaven business, isn't he? Another parable put he forward. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And uh, this became the greatest among herbs and became a tree. The birds of the air came and lodged. Wow. We studied that, didn't we? Yes, we did. So we're sowing this tiny seed that seems insignificant, but there are, the Lord is using that to sow into the nations. That was a good message. Then in verse 33 of Matthew 13, same continuity, another parable spoke he to them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Now, what? wait a second. I thought we weren't supposed to have leaven. I thought there was a warning against the leaven of the Pharisees. I thought there was a warning against leaven in the communion bread. Yeah. And what was that? You don't rely on what you, um, what the, your, your ways of the past you want something fresh and new in the Lord. But the kingdom of heaven here is like the leaven which a woman brought and uh, egg crypto into measures of meal. And to me, this is whatever it is that this woman has received, she, through her testimony, sewed it into the food chain of the people that were around her. So you've, you've got to be willing to testify of the crypto things and see what God will do with that. It's so important. Momentum and speaking well is very important in the kingdom, which is why the enemy sows strife and discord and accusation 
because first of all, he wants to welcome every evil work, but secondly, he wants to stop that uh, that growth that is engendered through speaking well and promoting um, again. Chapter 13, verse 44. This Chapter 13 should be the kingdom of heaven chapter. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, the thesaurus hidden in a field. When a man found it, he, he, he hides and he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. And if that wasn't enough, the next verse says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, and he sells things to buy this pearl of great price. And then in verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, not a net, but a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. There's a harvest. Wow. And I love this verse 52 that says, therefore, every scribe which is instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is building a house supplying for a house, bringing forth out of the thesaurus both new things and palatios things. We preached on that many years ago and really emphasized it. We who are scribes of the kingdom of heaven, teaching his mysteries through the word, have to bring new things established on kingdom reality that has been Put forward to us. That's the kingdom of heaven. Do you see that? Oh, we want the kingdom of heaven to come. Oh, let, let's have a real gully washer of the visitation. It's the kingdom. You're functioning in the kingdom. Is that not enough for you? You're praying mysteries. You've sold everything to buy into this. You are learning. You're teaching. You're sowing. You're holding your ground. That's the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand this? If you've gotten tired of the kingdom of heaven, which we've just been hearing from the mouth of our Lord, looking for something bombastic that you think is the kingdom of heaven, you're misled. You you just are. Hmm. Oh, here's a good one. Well, so where would that about the scribes? Well, that go under teaching, wouldn't it? Matthew sixteen verse nineteen. Oh, here's another one that would fit in warfare and the Father. Verse seventeen. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father. Oh, I just love Jesus. Well, I do too. But it's the Father that's revealing this to Peter. And I say to you, you are Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will give unto you the keys of what? The kingdom of heaven. Now, whatever will be bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever will be loosed on earth, loosed in heaven. And remember, we've studied about binding and loosing. Apply those principles. We've studied it etymologically. We've studied it through the scriptures. So don't be looking for some other extraneous definition of these things. 
the application of these definitions may yield new insights, but it's not a bombastic revelation to you to understand what loosing and binding is. By this time, you should know that. So where do the keys of the kingdom come? This is an authority, a promotion. Well, by cracky, it comes from the Father. Jesus said it. Well, I don't know what these guys are talking about. If Jesus was here, he'd straighten them out. Well, Jesus was there, and he was saying it. So list that under the Father, and you can even extend it over into kingdom of authority. Wow, this is good. Then chapter 18, verses 1, 3, 4, 1 through, we taught on this about being converted last week, about a little child becoming new, entering in, and being changed, and then leading others. You don't need me to reiterate that, but there it is. Oh, let's look at Matthew 18, 23. I told you Matthew and Jesus were in cahoots here about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who would take account of his servants. And this is, um, this is that measure of um, forgiveness and um, knowing that God could restore us and put us on a new pathway to where we're not indebted to the past. And we have to then recognize that same benevolent heart when we encounter other people who may have been uh, guilty even to a much lesser degree of the very things that we were. So that's, that's just using some divine love. It doesn't mean you justify sin, but you have more of a willingness to forgive. And that's another topic. You know, the epistles talk about, you know, if you forgive somebody, then that they're, they're released. Uh, it's another topic, but we just have to be not ignorant, not overlooking things, but use some divine love and common sense when you're dealing with people. Uh, let's see here. 19, 14. Suffer the little children, forbid them not to come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. That would be linked back up to uh, chapter 18, but also to really ask God to fulfill in that child what they are put on this earth to fulfill. Then this business about the rich man, chapter 19, verse 23, it'd be difficult for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and I think that the essence of this is walking in faith. The essence of this is not thinking that you you um, that your wealth puts you in a different category if you have wealth <coughs> there's something about believing god for something you don't have 
believing that's the heart of righteousness and it's really the heart of the miraculous in faith because if you do things only in the bounds of what you know you can do in the natural then you're really not believing God for anything so that's interesting and then the last well no we still have ways to go the kingdom uh, of heaven is like a man is in a householder he goes out in the morning to to hire laborers and that business of the various hours and people in their hestemi that's part of our mission uh 23 13 woe unto you scribes and pharisees you throw this back into the scribal category you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men and you don't go in yourselves you you're not willing to allow for people to be what God has asked them to be according to the word and to seek the new. Now, there's a whole nother teaching about those that are seeking the new. you got to be really careful that you don't be bound by traditional legalists, but you got to be really careful. And I know this is difficult not to rise up in pride saying you know more than them. The objective here is for you to be what you're supposed to be. It doesn't mean you you adhere to what they're saying and their limitations. And it doesn't mean that you you don't point out. Now, Jesus also said, you know, he warned people that were these kinds of scribes. So he didn't tolerate it either. How about 25.1? Well, this is a good one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. You know this story. Not ten versions, but ten virgins. And we talked about the, the moros, the mysteries, being ready, even when you think time has waffled on you. How about the last one in Matthew? 25.14 The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. This is the parable of the talents. We, we have that responsibility right now, don't we? We've been entrusted with wherewithal to go and to multiply the kingdom in cities. All of these are the kingdom of heaven. In the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, do you realize how many of these you and I have been functioning in. Have we realized that this is the operation in the kingdom of heaven? Now, there are times, like what we talked about last week, and I think certainly where we are now, where whatever we've done in the kingdom, God says for what's coming and what's going to be required in the kingdom, you've got to be changed by me so that you can function accordingly and successfully. We're in that moment, but we will still be responsible for all of these things that we read in Jesus' own words. And you know what? As I look at them, this has been our modus operandi in the kingdom. 
We've been studying the word. We've been trying to humble ourselves. We've been dealing in his mysteries through prayer and interpretation. We've been standing in the gap. We've been teaching. We've been proclaiming. We've been sowing into nations. We've been sowing into people groups. And all these things have been what God has been leading us to do. Did you realize this is the kingdom of heaven? Now, just for fun, enter in kingdom of God and see what that says. Now, Matthew also speaks about the kingdom of God. Seek first, Matthew 6.33, you should be there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Why would he talk about the kingdom of God when he was also saying the kingdom of heaven? Well, this goes back to a slight variation, not making a doctrine of this. But the kingdom of heaven seems to be more of what you do in representing spiritual things and how you bring those into reality. Kingdom of God, and again, this is not a rule, but Matthew differentiates between these, and I think he was smart enough to know. What does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous vision, and all these things will be added to you. Here you bring the, the material. Here you bring the physical demonstrations. Matthew twelve twenty eight. If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Here you have a, again, tangible demonstration by the finger of God. What That is a unique term. We studied about the finger of God in Egypt, and we studied about that, and I think I wrote about it. Some others may have too. Um, but it really is a dictate from the hand of God, a specific thing on behalf of the hand of God. God doesn't have flying fingers that just float around. It's always a finger is attached to the hand. And so uh, a specific aspect of partnering with the hand of God, the finger uh, casts out devils by the Spirit of God, and it's the kingdom of God. Uh, 1924, the eye of the needle, rich man, kingdom of God. Um, this is interesting. Matthew 21. The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Um, huh. <laughs> Jesus is just letting these guys have it. Here are all these, these religious people and he's saying, hey, Publicans and harlots are going in before you. And it's about who will do the will of their father. Woo! Guess what category that goes into, folks? Again, it's the father. Oh, uh, let's see. Matthew 21, verse 43. Um, Therefore I say the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Whoever will fall on this stone will be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Um, 
And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spoke of them, and they sought to lay hands on him. <laughs> oh my goodness, you think, what did you think is going to happen when the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is functioning? You think the religious attacks that came against us and the other things that came against us and people that got sideways and left after a strange peace and said all manner of evil against us. I didn't like it. I still detest that. And I think, what is wrong with you? Being a person who adheres to authority structure, how dare you touch the anointed? But yet people do it and they think there's no, there's no measure of, uh, of uh, recourse that is coming to them. This is a great verse. Again, in Matthew, but it's the kingdom of God. And he's speaking to specific religious people. And it's about, it's about the Father, the, the extension of this. Wow. Wow. Given to a nation, bringing forth fruits. That's kind of like Isaiah 28. With stammering lips and an unknown tongue, I will, I will bring forth my precepts and my line upon line. Here a little, there a little. That was a... That was a mainstay passage for us. That whole chapter, both that and Zechariah 9 and 10, that whole chapter, Isaiah 28, I don't know how much we fed off that in those initial days. Well, let's just look, though. Now, we see what Mark talks about. Mark 1, 14, we're almost done with this, but this you need to be studying these things in the, in the next couple of weeks in the evening. Study Jesus' words. You're welcoming him to come and sit with you. You've opened the door and sup with you. Do you think maybe he might be referring to some of these words written in red that we're looking at right now? I think so. So Mark 1, 14, 15, the repent kingdom of heaven is at hand. 4, 11, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand. Well, wait a second. How about you just make it simple, preacher? How about you just write it in a way that will welcome everybody in? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He's the one who said these things. I know that's not the way that hymn went, but it's good anyway. Um, 426, Kingdom of God. It, it, about the tares. Um, it, it should... Man should cast seed in the ground, should sleep and rise night and day. The seed should spring up and grow. Uh, well, this isn't about the tares. This is a good one. The earth brings forth fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Uh, the fruit is brought forth immediately, puts a sickle because the harvest has come. And then you have the mustard seed. M Mark is going down through this same thing. We've studied about the, the blade and the, the ear and then the corn. We, we've talked about that progression. Maybe we should revisit that as we're praying for Brazil. And then 430, uh, we just talked about 
This is good. You can do this for yourself. And what will you learn? My goodness. We're running out of time here. Uh, Matthew 9, 47, he talks about the eye offend. You pluck it out. Very similar to Matthew 18. Uh, Matthew, Mark 10, the little children. A lot of these are things that we've seen already, but it verifies that kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are talking about the same thing. But to me, somehow, um, especially in Matthew, there's a slight differentiation in the impact. Uh, let me just scan these real quick. We're running out of time. But you've got it there for you as well. Oh, I love this. I love all of these. Um, here's the rich young ruler. You're not far from the kingdom. Um, and um, you, you've got to sell all you have. That's the same discussion. But in another passage, it speaks of the rich young ruler. You're not far from the kingdom of, of God. Here, 14, Mark 14, 25. I say to you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. That's now. Um, Joseph of Arimathea waited for the kingdom of God. Asked for the body of Jesus. How about Luke? Luke 4. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, for therefore am I sent. That's what we are trying to do. There's the Beatitudes. There's John the Baptist. Um, he, he came to pass after he went through every city in the village pre preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. What do you think he was talking about when he was teaching about the kingdom of God? Do you think we were reading from his sermon notes already? Of course. Of course, that's what he was talking about. He sent the disciples out to speak these mysteries. Luke 9, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick. That's the next thing that we're going to see a plethora of. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It's, it's there. Why hasn't it happened more up to this point? I'm going to tell you something and some of you just get rattled by this. Once miracles, demonstrable miracles, and these overt signs happen, that will be the greatest threat to you continuing to move in the discovery of the mysteries of God. Because then that's all you're known for. And all of these other things, how many have we seen about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that we've been doing? Those things will be put to the side it's just the way it happens so uh, we're going to have to guard that uh, Luke 9-11 this is a good verse 9-11 well, the people when they knew it followed him he received them and spoke of them of the kingdom of God and then healed all that had need what did he do first spoke about the kingdom of God what was he speaking about the things we've been looking at. Jesus went everywhere teaching. That was the first thing he did. Um, <laughs> Luke 9, 60. 
Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Whoa. Well, 962, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm all Luke's in the meddling now, isn't he? But Jesus said that. Uh, Heal the sick that are in, therein, and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh to you. Oh, here's one that is hard for some. Luke 10, 11. Those that don't receive what you're bringing from the direct of the Father, even the very dust of their city which cleaves to us, we wipe off, and notwithstanding be sure of this, that the kingdom of God did come to you. Woo! That's a sobering one. Seek you the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Um... Mustard seed again. This is good stuff. And this is study. This is what you need to be doing on your own instead of looking at every bit of prepared meals that are out there on the internet. You need to be studying this. The law and the prophets, 1616, were unto unto John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. And every man presses into it. Wow. Oh, look at this one. Luke 17, 21. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Oh my goodness, it's already in you. If you're doing these things, then the kingdom of God will be functioning. I know we're out of time. Um, But let's just look at the two times John speaks about it. John 3.3. John says, hey, if I need to write two things about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, what would they be? (sighs) John 3.3. Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then verse 5. Verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Wow. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. And then you can look through Acts, and you can look through what Paul wrote, and you can look through um, the writer to the Hebrews, uh, you can look to James, but basically, this is Jesus' opinion about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And I dare say that if you will study these a bit more. We just ran through them. You can do this on your own. And that's the objective. It's not that I'm trying to get out of work. My objective as your pastor and as a leader in this network is to encourage you to fish for yourself in the Word of God and to study and let the Spirit speak to you. And you'll discover, I hope, that we've been 
being trained in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven for years by the Spirit of God. Everything that he's been leading us to do in his word has indicated these pursuits of what the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are. Jesus himself said it over and over and over and over again. And he's the one that you're welcoming to come and meet with you each night. If we truly are being converted into some new dimension of service for the kingdom in these days, and we are, in this seventh day, in this day of rest, ready to go into the new, maybe, just maybe, Jesus, when he comes to meet with you, is talking about these things. You're converted, become as a child, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Got to get you ready. Have you been lax in some of these things? Have you been duped into thinking that what this walk that we've been living is is something less than what God is doing? You got to scramble to look for something else? Tell it to Jesus. Boy, I'm preaching at you today. What do you think Jesus comes and he chastens you? What do you think that is like? Is it him pressing close to you and telling you how sweet you are and how much he loves you? Well, yes, he's loving. But John saw him with fire in his eyes. <laughs> that, that's an eye-opener, no pun intended. He loves you. You're to be an heir and a joint heir with him. He talks about the kingdom he's talking about. Knowing the Father, doing, willing, doing the will of the Father, repenting from old ways, uh, becoming poor in spirit, being born again in spirit, and uh, being converted as a child, stripping yourself down as, a, as an unladen camel, uh, selling everything you are uh, to buy the place of the thesaurus, selling everything you have to buy the pearl of great vice, uh, expanding knowing the mysteries of God, teaching them, not being as the Pharisees, uh, being a scribe of the kingdom to bring forth old and new things, uh, knowing the will of the Father again, uh, being uh, uh, observing with you in function, power, function, expanding into kingdom, expanding into cities, um, knowing that there's going to be alternative things sown into the field, but you keep pressing into the new. Um, having communion with the Lord in the kingdom of God now in that new wine, uh, warfare, casting out demons, uh, taking the keys of, of the kingdom of heaven and the gates of hell will not prevail. These are just some of the categories. Can you and your devotions, maybe, maybe you should do this. I'll do it if you'll do it. No, I'm going to do it whether you do it or not, but I'm telling you, you're being changed to go into the new places in the kingdom. These are Jesus' sermon notes. You think he's going to unveil some new thing that's different from his living word? Get over that. Let's take each night, let the Spirit guide us into one or more of these categories and read them. See if the Lord wants to say something new or empower you in a new way in them. So that's Bible study.
the rustling of the leaves. I don't know that we can say that very much more. How about the clicking of the finger on the screen? Oh, it's good to hear the clicking of the finger of God on the screen. This sacred desk. Okay. Thus endeth the lesson. Um, but it's basically how you can study this for yourself and let the Spirit feed you. Let the Word of God dwell in your hearts richly. Jesus is going to refer to these things. Thanks so much for joining. I know this has been a different broadcast. I really tried to exhort you to move forward in your studies. And I'm not behind you pushing you and saying, it's okay, get up. I'm saying, come on, this is the way, let's go. And any teacher on a higher level is going to push their students to go beyond. And that's where you should be. I bless you. Thankful for you. Let's be faithful. Enjoy Leap Day tomorrow. Enjoy First Saturday prayer. And until next time we're together, God bless. And adios, amigos.